The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa is for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. Please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. This podcast is produced with caller interaction. Follow Dr. Mona Lisa on Facebook and Instagram to be a part of the next podcast taping. Discover your body's natural ability to heal. Welcome to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining my Zoom live to tape podcast for Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa on the Mind, Body, Spirit FM network. Today's show is Do We Need Narcissists to Feel Needed and Loved? Now, I know that this problem is rare, but in the event that you have a friend or two who's run into that rare individual who has a disorder that's similar to narcissism, you can fill them in on the solutions. Have you ever suffered from getting focused on a mate or a friend and then you realize that your life is all about them? Have you ever found out that you were eating, sleeping, and thinking and it was so entrained on a partner or a friend you realize, oh my God, my life is all about this person. I've lost my individuality. If you've ever been so hooked and focused on a loved one and you realized it's all about them, then today is your day because we're going to talk about, do you need narcissists to feel needed and loved? It's one thing at the end of that long situation to go, well, you know, I just got up and I couldn't do anything until we ate breakfast. And then I couldn't do anything until I got that phone call. And I was just so worried and sick because I was worried that they had homework that they couldn't hand into that college course. And then of course, I couldn't get to bed that night until I realized that they weren't going to bed either. And then of course, I couldn't exercise until they were exercising too. And then you realize that they're exercising, sleeping, eating, doing all their life around somebody else. And then they say, you know what? My life revolves around everybody else's needs. And then next thing you know, they tell you that they've read a new book about narcissists and vampires and all these people that are sucking the the near life out of them. And you go into the kitchen and take a steak knife and you think you're going to cut out your heart to quote a line from Moonstruck, but you don't because you love yourself just the way you are. And you don't need somebody else to need you to feel loved or do you? Now that's not a line from date. If that's not a line from Dateline, don't watch it alone. I don't know who is. 
This is Healthy Living with Dr. Mona Lisa, the podcast on mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. And my name is Dr. Mona Lisa. We're taking your calls during the show. 207-846-6475. 207-846-6475. Shy? Don't want to go online? That's okay. You can get a private reading by going to www.drmonalisa.com, www.drmonalisa.com, or again, calling 207-846-6475. Because if you call that number outside of this show, the cats answer the phone and they get very annoyed if you expect ex, ex, want a free mini reading because somehow they're going to have to pay for their friskies. And you want to subscribe to this Healthy Living Intuitively podcast with me, Dr. Mona Lisa, by going to Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. But please, this forum is educational only. We have to get these things in. This is not to provide a physician-patient relationship. I'm not giving you a diagnosis, prescribing treatment, doing psychotherapy. If you're in an emergency, put down the Zoom, put down the podcast, put down everything, and go to your nearest emergency room. Okay, so here we are. How do we find ourselves circling the drain with somebody? It's very simple. Here is a diagram, a handy dandy diagram I do of how we get hooked. Now I'm gonna to try to get everybody to see my whiteboard. And there is an issue because can I do it? The question is, can she do it? Share screen, the whiteboard, share. Can you see, oh, you see a blink. Okay, well, let me do this, okay? Here's your brain, okay? Quick and dirty, okay? Quite frankly, we got a temporal lobe, the area for emotion, intuition, and perception. How, why are you laughing? Gretchen, stop laughing over there. You're gonna get, you're gonna get the kibosh, okay? She's got, she's got some kind of bandana on over there as a prosthetic frontal lobe device. <laughs> yeah. And that is the area that censors our emotion, intuition. And I might add spirituality. The brain sits on a brainstem, which goes to the body. And of course, for all intents and purposes, it has seven centers, although I teach 12. And my class, oh, that's a pitch, gratuitous plants. Every year I do a one, a, a seven day medical intuition training class. I teach 12 centers, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven for now, but there are 12 centers. And if you want to be part of that class to learn mind, body, spirit healing with medical intuition, you can go to my website, www.drmonalisa.com and learn about it. It's seven days for me, seven days, seven chakras, seven days. Um, you learn how to do medical intuition and reading, knowing only someone's name and age you learn to do stuff that you don't do in an online class. You can't learn to swim in an online class. You would literally wouldn't want to learn how to do surgery in an online class. So I only teach in person. Suffice it to say, we have intuition and emotion and we have a sensor 
in our frontal lobe that senses it. Now herein go, lie, goes the situation. We have our feelings, love, 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 the Beatles song. And we also have fear, anger, sadness. If you are someone who's very intuitive, you have a double D temporal lobe, okay? We talk in brains in terms of bra sizes because it's easier to remember. And then you will have a double A frontal lobe. That means that you will tend to spit out your emotions and spit out your intuition. However, when will you censor your intuition? Simple. What you will do is you will You will, if you love someone, you will censor. Oh no. You will censor. You will censor your anger about them. And you will blind your perception because perception comes here. How you see things, hear things, feel things, but also clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience. Gee, I wish I could draw again. <laughs> draw. Okay. So, clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience. And if you love someone, you will block it out. Okay? If you don't love yourself enough, because you have a misperception, you block it out. You're blinded. You don't see your beauty. You don't hear your beautiful voice. You don't feel your strong strength. You will be blinded to it, but you will, like moths to a flame, see it in technicolor to someone who walks into a potty like they're walking into a yacht. Their hat strategically dipped below one eye like their scoff was apricot. They overly love themselves and they put out a veneer of brilliance, omnipotence, power, charm, and charisma. That's your basic narcissist. They have a developmental problem in dividing attention between themselves and somebody else. They can't do it. It's mirror neurons. It's in this area. I'm going to lose my mind. All I want to do is draw. Can I please draw? Can anybody show me? How I draw. Okay. There is an area here called the parietal lobe. And it divides attention between you and somebody else. They have a problem in this area. It's primarily in the right brain. It's balancing awareness of you and them. They can't balance that. They can't. That's just me, 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 me. I used to know a woman who was a narcissist. Her name was Mimi. I actually thought she should change her name. So they can't divide attention between them and somebody else. So in order to get their sense of self, because they have emptiness in them, they have to have a charm, a charisma, attractiveness. And they have to walk with a kind of omnipotence. And if you are low and you feel you're not charming and you slump, you see them and you see their advertisement and you go, I want that. 
It's like seeing a car salesman. I got a deal for you. You see those car dealerships and they have a person outside and they're waving those signs. Buy here, buy here. A narcissist is like, I have charm. I have charisma. Come over here. You want to pay attention to me. And you think, I don't have charm. I don't have charisma. I'm not brilliant. I'm going to go over there and get me some. And you do. And you can't keep your eyes off of them. And all the girls think that they'd be their partner. They'd be their partner. Because they have a sense of grandiose strength and fantasy. And you see in them something you want. So your brain focuses on them and they focus on them. <laughs> Get that? Yeah. So in your brain, you're blinded by the light that they emit. And like moths to a flame, the closer you get to it, when the moth gets to a flame, they die. I have a neon light. I have a lot of neon in my house because I can't explain to you, but I'll get to it in a second. And every year in the summer, I find all these dead lights. They're you. You are the dead bugs. You flock to these neon narcissists, and you can quote me, that are bright, artificial light, bright. And when you stay in train with them, it burns, your, it blinds your sense of self-esteem and you focus on their emptiness and you get blinded. And eventually you don't focus on yourself. And so what happens is you lose self-love and you focus on their love. And then, so this is one, one, <laughs> one. I hate this board, two, and then three. And what happens with the, this is not what happened with my whiteboard. My whiteboard worked very well. <laughs> this is the curse of intuition. You have technology problem. What happens is you get opiates because they use you. You, they, they say, can you do this for me? And you're like, sure, because you're hypnotized by their light, blinded by the light. I'll do this for you. I'll do that for you. I'll do this for you. I'll do that for you. And every time you do this, they go, gee, thanks. It's hollow. And so every time they do, gee, thanks, you get reward. And reward is related to addiction because opiates are. And what does that do? That medicates anxiety, depression, pain, and previous immune system disorders. Okay? So then you work, you work, you work, you work, you work, you focus on them, you work, you work, because it's like a rat pressing on a pedal, pressing on a pedal, pressing on a pedal. And then guess what happens? You get burned out because too much opiates, like being on a cocaine rush, it produces M NMDA, NMDA, which is like taking, um, going to a Chinese restaurant and getting, what's that stuff? Um, MSG. That's, that's it. <laughs> it's an excitotoxin. 
because it's like drama. You get addicted to the drama and it's excitotoxin. It puts your brain on fire and that causes burnout in your brain. I had a beautiful picture of this, but can I get to the other whiteboard? Hell no, I can't. I drew it before this show. It doesn't work that way. We'll get it next week when we're not doing this topic, but I'm not going to talk about that. And then what that does is it's makes this whole area in the top of your brain that has to do with obsessions and compulsions and anxiety. It makes you obsess and compulse around them. Oh my God, what are they doing? What are they doing? What are they doing? Meanwhile, you've entrained your entire circadian rhythm. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're thinking, you're keying in to them. Just like your menstrual cycle may be keyed into somebody, you'll start to think, you wake up, they call you, you go to bed, you can't get to sleep, your brain and your body, and that entrains your hormones. So you start to get hormonal problems. And then it starts to affect your hypothalamus. And then it goes to your brainstem and affects autonomic nervous system, parasympathetic, and then it repeats <laughs> as necessary. This is the chain of pain. It goes around and around because you can't break this cycle of obsession compulsion because by then this mirror neuron here, you are intuitively keyed into them. So when they have a thought and they need you, you can feel it. You can feel it because your brain isn't trained with them because chances are if they have problems with divided emotional attention, you exquisitely have a capability. That's all those people who say, you're an empath, they're a narcissist. Empath, narcissist. What really means is you get intuitively entrained in them. You know every need they, may, they need. So, so you get addicted to them, intuitively entrained in them, and hormonally and immunologically entrained with them. Sleep, everything. And you can't get out of that vicious cycle. That's why if you subscribe to Quora, you see people typing in. I have been with a covert narcissist. I want to now get rid of this whiteboard. Okay. I have been with a covert narcissist. I have broken away. Do they know that I'm good, gone for good? <laughs> you're gone for good. Well, you care. If you're gone for good, you're gone for good. Why are you still thinking about them? If you're thinking about them, then you're still feeding the black hole because chances are they've gone to someone else. You've reversed it. If you think you're special to a narcissist, you're not. You're exchangeable. They don't have relationships. They have trouble with divided emotional attention. People are like furniture. There's a company called um, Snap-on Parts that, that you can get a part that goes for any, any type of car. You got a Ford, you got a Hyundai, anything. You understand 
that if they lose Sophie, they're going to get Marie. If they lose Marie, they're going to get Debbie. Once there was a, um, a song, I got Monica on my mind. I got Deborah on my mind. I got Valerie. It was this song that I remember it was on the Today Show. And I remember Katie Kirk's face looking horrified. It was hilarious because all he was talking about was a gad about town, a cad, a bounder. All he was talking about is I go from this one to that one, this one to that one. He's just playing around. He was just an operator, a smooth operator. My point is, is this. If you think you're special, you are having a narcissist hissy fit. You're not a narcissist. You're trying to have some semblance of specialness in a, that's amazing. That little thing that Dan has, you're trying to have some semblance of importance, a cameo appearance of self-esteem that you will never develop with this individual. How do you break this chain? How do you break the chain of pain? First of all, stop going to questions on Quora. Are they still thinking about me? <laughs> When I break up from a when I break up from a covert narcissist, do they realize I've left them forever? Do they realize that they've really lost the big important person in their life that could have really healed them? Are you crazy? They're not capable of seeing anybody special except themselves. They can't. No, now have I ever fallen for the bullshit? Absolutely. Absolutely. I can show you what you can say to someone who is like this, but I will tell you, you can say the most cutting, nasty remarks to them that would reduce you if you, anybody said to you to a pile of rubble, but they'll go, well, <laughs> it will give you no satisfaction. They were like putting an egg on one of those incredible expensive Teflon pans. It will just go fly right off. There's something wrong with them. They're not right in the head. <laughs> First thing, number one, stop trying to get your neurotransmitters, your opiates from someone who says, thank you. Can you do that again and again and again? Can you give me that again and again and again? Gee, thank you. And then when you say after you give and you give and you give, my God, you didn't even give me a card for my birthday. They can't. And if they do go out and give you a card, what's the point? You told them to. They didn't think about you because they don't think about people. That's the important point. You have, if you have to tell them to think about you, then you got a problem because they don't. Number two, get people who show some capacity to pay attention to you as much as you do to them. Now, this doesn't involve just emotional attention or spiritual attention. It involves laying down cash on the counter. <laughs> some people will have a partner, you do all the work, you work nine to five, seven to 12, and they don't. They sit home, eat bonbons, and eat the fruits of your labor. And when you say, have you ever noticed that you're gaining more and more weight, they're losing it. 
you're making all the money and they're consuming it. And when you say, what, are they, what have they done to you lately? You say, well, I get nurtured emotionally. What happens if you get sick? Will they go out and get a job? These people have problems with third center, self-esteem. Oh, they have in grandiose responsibility and paying the bills. Break your fixation and compulsivity on them. This is very hard because people who are intuitive, their brains wander. What are they thinking? What are they thinking? Are they thinking of me? It's not that you're self-absorbed. You're just trying to rehabilitate somebody because you think in terms of potential. Surely there must be a core. I know. They look so normal. Stop doing this. Chances are you have a parent like this. You have to have compassion. No. Who said no? You have to have compassion. If we can, we can love ourselves just the way we are, and chances are you ain't normal either. You have to love them the way they are. It doesn't mean you have to live with them or pay for them. Yes, compassion. There are many people in jail, mass murderers, something wrong with their head, very wrong with their head. There are some women that keep marrying those people over and over and over again. You have to have compassion for them. And on some level, look at that lady who worked in the jail. She, 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 she throws out an entire career. Somehow she gets sucked in with this guy. She helps him escape. You got to say, what was she thinking? And then she's on the land. And then at the end, she dies. However, it happens. We can say this happened, but you understand he sucks somebody else in that way. He's got a good calling card. He's got a type. Someone who keeps a job, manages a job, puts money into retirement only to cash it all in and throw it all away for him, him, him. Don't beat her up. We've all done parts of that. Everybody can fall for somebody like this. Have compassion for yourself. We've all gotten sucked in. Because it is, um, it's like those poppies in the Wizard of Oz. They put out an aroma that anesthetizes your brain. And next thing you know, you're opening up your wallet. That's what commercials are about. They hypnotize you. They used to do it on Saturday morning TV. They used to tell kids, now go get mommy and daddy right away and tell them you absolutely need this toy. Go ahead, tell them if they love you, they'll buy it. And the kid learns. The kid goes, mommy, daddy, I love you. <laughs> and you learn right away. The person learns to say right away when they grow up. Then when someone says, I love you, you're so wonderful. Will you give me a house and a boat and a motorcycle? 
and they get in the house. The next thing you know, you go, what just happened there? Three, make sure that your life doesn't revolve around other people. Get it diversified. You have seven centers, have seven types of people, spiritual people, seventh center, intellectual groups, sixth center, fifth center, um, um, activism, fourth center, various people in your family or animals or parents, third center work or avocation or calling, second center mates, first center, all kinds of recreational groups, spiritual groups, cats, see the cat on the couch, that's Conway. He's a little bit of a narcissist. I'm telling you that one right there. He wants to get rid of all the other animals. There's a lot of beating up over there, always. Anybody gets near me at night? He tries to beat him up. I'm telling you right now, that one right there is a thug. I keep thinking I'm going to rehabilitate him. I don't let him get away with it. He's always going to be on the top bunk in the cat tree. If you look at any narcissistic cartoon or anything, they've always got to be on the top of the pyramid, right over there on the couch. Does he look like the sweetest thing? Oh my God. He's got doughy eyes. And you find yourself just focusing on him. It's just so <coughs> hypnotic. Don't do it. Everybody gets kissed every 20 minutes. I don't care what they look like. They got throw up on them. They get kissed. Four, treat your depression and anxiety. Don't have your depression and anxiety. Have a relationship. Be the medication. Because you'll find out that the person is your med clinic. You'll find out that you keep going to that person to be your medication. And then they know that on some level. And if that person is manipulative, they will withhold contact to get what they want. Not kind. And five, import drama, because these people can be very dramatic and chaotic. Import drama from elsewhere. Work in an emergency room. Work in a rape crisis shelter. I don't know. Under supervision, work in a jail. But be careful. Don't end up being like that lady. I mean, if you have, you can get some. Hey, Gretchen, cut it out. <laughs> You're laughing. Because if you're prone, you can get sucked in. And don't think, this time I won't get sucked in. Hey, listen, you're always, don't be arrogant, no matter how much intuition. If you've had a history of trauma, your amygdala is big and you can have relationship blindness. I hope I didn't do anything to the phone. It is. So the phone number is 207-846-6475. 207-846-6475. If you want a free mini reading, but we'll open up all the lines now. Unmute yourself if anybody has a question. Literate. If, you, if you're too skitzy to get on the thing here, you can, call, you can get a hold of me for a private reading by going to www.drmonalisa.com, www.drmonalisa.com, or call 207-846-6475. Remember, Every week before the show, I do an Instagram live Wednesdays, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. West Coast time, Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, or Facebook live Wednesday, 4.30 p.m. East Coast time, 1.30 p.m. West Coast time. 
Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. To pre-answer some of your questions, let's just discuss spirituality and narcissism. Every once in a while, someone gets sucked in, we all do, by someone who's on the top of the spiritual organization who's narcissistic. Let's do that, shall we? It is impossible to be in a prayer organization or a spiritual organization and have the person on the top believe, don't get angry at me, it's just the way it works. It is impossible. Spirituality and our temporal lobe areas, amygdala, work on opiate receptors, okay? That's why those areas when we seize or we dream at night, they all have micro seizures. The very essence of going into a trance or praying and stuff like that, um, don't raise your hand, just scream out. The very essence of that, because raising your hand requires a frontal lobe and we're trying to remove our frontal lobes. Just be whatever. So, okay, hold on just one second. Just hold on one second. So by definition, if you are spiritual, you are in touch with the universe. If we all know that we are in touch with the universe, but all you have to do is look up at the sky and especially at night with the heavens and the stars. And a lot of people would say, I have the universe inside of me. That's lovely. Good for you. You go with God or the universe or the divine or whatever you believe in. However, if you look at the immense black holes and Andromeda strains and all the things that I don't even know about, would you admit that there's much of the universe that ain't you? <laughs> that it is so immense and all that time was and is and will be that much of it is not you, that you are a subset, that it is so far greater than you. And that if you think that you are all that is, then there's something wrong because the very essence of divinity is knowing that you ain't all that. If you feel that you ain't all that, that's the essence of humility. And that's a paradox of spirituality, is knowing that you are part of the divine, but you ain't it. And that's a paradox, meaning believing two things at once. Believing that you are part of all that is, but you ain't it. That's why when you have a problem with addiction, you have to accept the fact that your life has gone down the toilet you will have to submit to a power greater than you. 
And a lot of people have a hard time doing that. So as a result, it's a level of arrogance and arrogance is a form of narcissism. Do you understand? And a lot of people that get involved with spiritual societies where the top person gets a muck, they get involved with arrogance, narcissism, and there's all kinds of sex problems. And I submit to you that seven center spiritualities in this department, aisle seven, and sexuality is in aisle two. And there are at least six, four chakras in between them, grades of separation, degrees of separation. So I submit to you, you don't mess things up. There are boundaries for a reason. So if you have a person and you're part of a spiritual society and you have a teacher who has things to teach you, you have to be very careful that that person doesn't think that they have special because special, there's a slippery slope, my friends. And if you feel special, are you the strongest, the mightiest? And they can get grandiose. That is because in certain spiritualities, they say that the divine abhors someone who lacks humility because someone who's narcissistic lacks humility and there's no need to pray because why would you need to pray to, to, be, to appeal to a divine if you're all that? Ciao. Who just screamed? So now I want to open that up to that because there are a lot of people who are into spirituality who may have been involved in spiritual abuse, not just relationship abuse, but spiritual abuse of people who bantied around. They found out that their spiritual leader, teacher, blah, 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 ended up having narcissistic qualities. And they were like a moth to a flame drawn to that person because they were ecstatic. They had a charm, a charisma, but somehow, and that's true, they do, but you can't misuse it because they have to understand that they ain't all that. Discuss. Betsy, your question? She left. She went off. No, 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 no. I, I was chewing. I was chewing. Go ahead, actually, chew away. Do you understand I, what I'm saying? Uh, actually, th this comment you just made is quite interesting. Uh, I, I don't even want to address that because, yes, I have been, uh, I have experienced that one time. So I know what you're saying, but actually, I wanted to just go back and say. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most common problem in this field. I can't tell you. I once went hiking with Joan Borisenko on a hill. Okay. We go hiking up this hill. And there are all these, I think they call them yurts. I don't know if it was a yurt, a yurtina, or huts, or what the hell they're called. Okay. But they were all empty. This entire area, they were all empty. 
And I said, um, what's this? And she said, oh, you know, Joan, Joan's the most precious thing that ever roamed the face of the earth. If you have a problem with Joan Borosenko, there's something wrong with you. Anyway, <laughs> she was, oh, that's very interesting. She's very Jewish. She's very interesting. Very non-judgmental. She's very interesting. She said there was some kind of yogi center. I don't know if it's yogi. I don't want to use Lashonhara. Whatever it was, it was some center there, okay? not be lost in whatever it was because it may not have been yoga and that's that's def that defaming yoga okay so i don't know what it was it was some intentional community so suffice it to say she said but the leader decides that part of the spiritual bliss is to have sex with people because that's a, a sharing of essences if you will <laughs> suffice it to say gretchen's holding her mouth closed there and so there was a lot of sharing of spiritual essences, but only in unidirectional. <laughs> Suffice it to say, the problem was that sharing of essences, it didn't involve a condom. Uh -oh. Because sharing of essences, the condom prevents the sharing. And so um, they all got AIDS and they died. Oh my God. That's crazy. Addiction, well, look at addiction is deadly. It's Jim not Jones. funny. And addiction uses the same neurotransmitter, opiates, as spirituality. And that's the work of, drum roll please, Tversky. Tversky, uh, the famous rabbi who worked in addiction. And he said that our craving for addiction, we don't know what it is. So we want to put it in. Eating, 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 Twinkie, Twinkie, alcohol, alcohol cocaine, gambling, gambling, buy, buy, uh, is really, and it never, it's like, it didn't quite fit it out. So I'm going to have a couple more M&Ms, this time peanuts. Nope, peanuts didn't work. So I'm going to have Reese's. Nope. And it's really because we're trying to fill in that last common mediator is um, opiate, which really is the divine spirituality, which is why 12 steps programs were the universal thing. And the thing is, is when I went in psychiatry, um, which the only reason why I went to was because my spine fell apart. Oh. Um, and I remember seeing in this class about addiction and somebody said, oh, addiction, that's the old method. The old method of handling addiction. The new one is a CEWA protocol. I said, what's the CEWA protocol? And it's not the CEWA, that woman who is a dancer. It's the CEWA protocol was if, if someone was found on the street passed out and you didn't detox them because if they wanted to go back to drinking, they was considered abusive. So put them in the hospital and despite the fact that you did the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm, you, you don't detox them because that was abusive. You give them, you order from the pharmacy, Paps Blue Ribbon beer, you give that to them, cue four to six hours at the bedside until you discharge them. I couldn't do it. And they said, but that's the protocol. I said, I can't do it. I can't, I can't, I tell you, I won't. <laughs> My point is, <laughs> is all roads lead to addiction. I have done the most amazing things. I had a lady with a temporal lobe glioma. Temporal lobe glioma. She comes in, never forget this. She comes in and said, make them stop. I said, what? 
she said these angels come in and they tell they come in and they rearrange all the magazines on my coffee table stop it i went you gotta be kidding me son of a bit i mean son of a gun i said you know people pay good money at hay house to contact angels that's funny and you're complaining you're complaining thousands of dollars thousands i don't like it mri she had a temporal lobe glioma. We excised it. Angels went away. Oh. A couple of months later, they come back. What's amazing was it was in the right side, the area for directions, divided emotional intention directions. So with idiots down in vocational rehab, they put her in the, the terrace uh, where people ask for directions. I said, how's that working for you? She said, oh, it's great. She said, whenever anybody stops, I just give them the same directions. Go down the light, you take two lefts, go underneath the railroad, railroad tracks, take a right. I said, everybody gets the same set. She said, yeah, and they're very happy. <laughs> go vocational rehab and go, hey, listen, pal, <laughs> getting any complaints? <laughs> oh, I had no idea. Right hemisphere, no good. <laughs> Needless to say, three months later, two months later, she comes back and she said, the angels are back, make them leave. I said, are you kidding? Nope because she was smoking dope. And it was, you know, making little micro seizures. Marijuana is not good for everybody, you know, especially if there's something, a problem underneath the hood. And she definitely had one. And I said, you know, we healed you. The angels went, sayonara, goodbye. And she said, I don't want to give up my dope. And I said, then you don't want to give up your angels. They're going to be rearranging your good housekeeping and Time magazines till... <laughs> The uh, kingdom, kingdom, come. Come. <laughs> kingdom come, and that was it for her because all roads lead to addiction. It was the coolest case, one of the coolest cases I've ever had. Nope, wouldn't give it up. So, opiates, receptor, spirituality, angels, and addiction. You heard it here first. Next, <clears throat> you were asking, go ahead, uh, Betsy. Oh. My query was, is it one, sorry, go ahead. Is, is it once a narcissist, always a narcissist, or is there hope? This is the story. You can do cognitive behavioral therapy for Asperger's, for a variety of palsies or weaknesses developmentally, okay? You could even do it for me because my brain's not completely with the program either. It's been wired, rewired for epilepsy. I can give you an example of how it happens, but their bonding area, Asperger's has problems with bonding and mirror neurons too. What they bond to is different. They develop language differently because what's important to them, what's behaviorally relevant are not people. It's like trains or numbers. That's what they attend to, pay attention to. Narcissists pay attention to them. So their whole brain is wired around that for decades for how long they've lived. So if they want to pass for normal, you can teach them a behavioral repertoire so they're more functional. But just like seeds that you could buy from Burpee, one season will look you know normal, but then the next season, unless it can constantly gets trained, 
it will revert to wild type. So I had this patient who was Asperger's and he comes in and I think I might've said this, when I'm talking to his mother and I'm talking to him, he looks at me, he looks at her, he looks at me, he looks at him. So she's, he's paying attention to our faces and he's doing joint divided attention. So being somewhat impulsive, inappropriate and blurting things out, I went right in the middle of the conversation. I went, no way are you Asperger's. You're not supposed to do that, says the psychiatrist. You're supposed to, you know, <clears throat> tell me more about that kind of stuff. I went, no way are you, uh, no, uh, no way are you Asperger's. He went, way. I said, you're not supposed to be able to do that. Look at her, look at me, look at her and look at me. Oh, he said, oh, that. I said, yeah, that. He said, I learned that in a class. I went, you did what? He said, that's called cocktail language, cocktail party behavior. I went, do tell. He said, they taught us how to move our head and say things. I went, really? He said, so I don't look, and I'm not going to use the pejorative term. I said, really? Developmentally disabled. A narcissist is developmentally disabled. They can pass for normal till they hook you in the relationship. And then when you come home and marry them, you say, I do, then boom. He, oh, says, he says, yes. He says to me, I am supposed to look at you, look at her, look at you. So when she says, when she says something, I look at her face. And when you say something, I look at your face. It doesn't compute that in his, when he's looking at your face to look at the facial expressions about how you feel, how your eyes are moving, how that matches your tonality, your vocal tone. None of that right hemisphere prosody is he putting that together with what you're saying. Mm -mm. It's just he's mechanically turning his head so that you will look at him and he will pass for normal. It is a mimic. And that is what narcissists do. They mimic. So do sociopaths. They do what they need to do to get in the door. Do you think Ted Bundy didn't figure out ways? I mean, they did it on Saturday Night Live. The shocker would knock on the door, Candy Graham, Candy Graham. So you'd not open the door and they'd come in and the, and the shock would kill you. It's a whole skit on Saturday Night Live. The shock would do stuff, ma'am, Candy Graham, Candy Graham, to get you to open the door. Like pretending to have a broken arm. The other serial killer, that's oh, how he got- pedophiles do this. I got a puppy. You want a puppy? It's, it's horrible. It is what it is. They feign normal behavior to get what they need. And their temporal lobe areas for emotion and relatedness are not normal. Their love is based on some need of theirs. Well, your love, first of all, you could not come to my house. If I said, come to my, okay, this is Gretchen. The perfect example, Gretchen with the headband. She's trying to get some frontal lobe insulation. It's not going to work, Gretchen. Good luck with that. Might as well get rid of the uh, frontal lobe. It hides the tin foil. Yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> I attract people with tin foil. I can't even begin to tell you. They, if I'm sitting at Starbucks, they'll come and knock on the window and go, like I can leave them to the mothership. I'm not kidding you. I used to go to Starbucks with Chris Northrup. They'd be walking by, they back up, turn at the window and go, <laughs> and she just shrink. 
because she doesn't like those kind of people. She just shrink. They, they look at me like I'm completely normal, like mama, mama. Suffice it to say, the wiring in the brain, in the temporal lobe for love, fear, anger, sadness is different. So if I asked you to come to my house, sit on the couch and write a book or work on something of your own, if you saw me running around all day like a chicken with her head cut off, okay? And then trying to walk, even though you could see me have trouble at times, okay? We'll say nothing more, okay? The cats are going, right? On the phones, answering the phones, phones, phones. You're like, why are you up right now? Well, you know, we're trying to return Australia. Why are you up right now? Well, I'm trying to get Tel Aviv. This is the time they're up. I mean, up and down. You're like, is there anything I can do to help you? No, no, no. Can I pay for this bill? No, no, no. You're supposed to be working on your book. How long, Gretchen, would you be able to sit here and have me do everything for you? I'm I waiting. get used to it. Oh, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry you didn't get the big payoff. <laughs> Most people would not be able to do it. They would feel anxious or guilty. They simply could not do it. They would want to contribute. They would feel anxious. They're used to being the giver and not the receiver. They couldn't do it. I can tell by looking at you, enough with you, okay? And the reason why I know that is yeah. because you have the microphone up. Because yeah, I just don't know how to do anything. <laughs> no, it's not. No, I'm not fooled. You have the microphone up because you don't want me to hear you. Okay. And the only reason why you unmuted you was because you, I've asked you questions. But until then, you were appropriately muted because you didn't want to interrupt the event. Mm -hmm. You're much too empathic. An empathic person appropriately mutes and then removes their speaker so that they don't, even if they're muted already, they double mute, triple mute. They were five different condoms rather than pass on AIDS. <laughs> yeah. So my point is you are hyper, hyper responsible. You would never be able to do it. And if you did, you'd get too anxious and you'd leave. You would actually even get paranoid. You wouldn't be able to do it. Versus these other people, they simply, they simply would stay here forever. And they think it's because, well, I'm wonderful to have around. They can't do it. They don't understand it there's something developmentally wrong. And their receptors in their brain for pain, they're numb. They can't feel somebody else's pain. They're completely unaware of it or they're inattentive to it. They're much more attentive to their own pain than somebody else's. And if you say, you know how tired I am doing stuff for you? They're like, you're tired. Do you know how much I am pain? They will always meet you and up you. Do you know those kind of people? I have a question then, Mona Lisa. How is it possible that that Ted Bundy's parents or any of the serial, any of the sociopath parents, they say, we never knew anything was wrong. He was just a normal kid. How can that possibly be? I mean, that's not true. First of all, number, well, they one, number one, many of them are completely tortured their child that way. They're completely tortured. Oh, I know that. And I happen to know for a fact, Jeffrey Dahmer, for example, Jeffrey Dahmer's father 
It's well proven. See, now again with that woman over there with the headband. See, she tries to center her feelings, but now she's going like this, like one of those little bobblehead dogs on the thing, because she's doing this. Jeffrey Dahmer's father used to have thoughts of the same thoughts that his son did, because that's a brain problem in that family. They have obsessive thoughts of an issue in that head. The fact remains is he had a break on them. His frontal lobe kept it curved. There's something about that son's brain. And so that father is tortured because on some level he feels that he might have done, could have done something, anything, or did he pass it on to his son? He wouldn't have said that if he didn't feel in some way complicit. Or if he did feel that he was like his son, or if he felt like he was a sociopath, he would have kept it zipped. He would have felt there's nothing wrong with me. Or he would have kept it silenced. No, he didn't. He let people know about that. Sorry. Some families are completely stricken. Stricken. Some, when interviewed, say he was a normal child. There have been several serial. I understand that. I can't answer it now. Do you know they wait? They wait 58 minutes. And now with two minutes, I'm supposed to do a reading in two minutes. Yes, you've done it before. Hi, this is Dr. Mona Lisa. You're live on the air. How can I be of help? Because they're not calling for a live reading. They're calling to schedule a reading. I don't blame them. That's why they waited all that time. My point is that's true. And that's called because they live in Egypt. They live on the river of denial. It is so painful for them because they, and what, what aspect am I creating? What spiritual aspect am I doing? Um, they are trying to use a frontal lobe to block out any perception that they may have seen some warning sign because the reality is if they admit to themselves a defense, hiding, keeping at bay any conscious understanding that they, over that time they tortured that, that their son tortured those animals, that really wasn't that much. Or that time that they beat that little girl in this, or that little boy. Girls do this too, you know. Bad that they tortured that kid in the playground. Um, that wasn't really a whole lot of thing. Or they were, you know, they would do it. They asked for it first or something. Um, you know, in psychiatry, maybe I was supposed to go into it. Um, well, in regular medicine, if you hit an artery, you put a tourniquet on and you don't take that tourniquet on turn it off until you get to the hospital because if you take it off the person will bleed to death it's a major artery similarly to a, uh, a very huge trauma if you find out your son was a mass murderer it's a, a huge artery that you put a tourniquet on it a defense it didn't happen that didn't happen and if you take off that defense the person will get psychotic and kill themselves because they realize they think that they're responsible for all those people what I am exhibiting, or trying to at least, 
trying to is, I'm going to say it the wrong way and you know how to say it. I know that there may have been times in my life when I looked harshly at someone. It's called the good eye, looking at someone with um, an evil eye is when you look at someone in a critical eye, you don't see that your own negative aspects of you. Similarly, if you look at someone who denies that their own children did such a horrific act, you're in a way denying that you ever or anybody connected to you did the same. Similarly, if we are to look at people who are narcissistic in our lives and without compassion, we don't have to have them in our lives. We ignore the aspects or the traits of us that similarly at times can be self-absorbed. Recently, I was so sick because I have all these nerve injuries from the spine that I had a vaccine. And the first day I had it, I was in such agony. I couldn't even walk on my feet. There were, I screamed. I thought I was just trying to get attention until I realized there was no one here. This is my cats. The second day, every time I tried to walk, I felt a shock up my spinal cord. Took four days to even walk normally. And even then, somebody over the weekend said, are you okay? I didn't even realize I wasn't walking normally. I got a phone call to schedule a reading and the woman called me and I, um, I apologized for being out of it. And she said, that's okay. And I said, how can I help? And she said, I have metastatic ovarian cancer. I felt so self-absorbed, so narcissistic that I've thought about it the entire week. I still thinking about it. To have compassion for someone with that brain and disorder of narcissism helps us take a tick check of our own areas and many episodes of self-absorption and helps us spiritually become better people. It gives us the capacity to look at others with a kinder eye and with compassion for someone who has a developmental affliction. It doesn't necessarily mean we marry them nor give them our funds. It just means we have compassion for their blind spots and their problems with their brain. Do I always have compassion? No, I try. And then I lose it at times and then I regain it. <laughs> but I am a work in progress. I wanna thank you for welcoming me. I wanna thank you for welcoming me into your day. You've been listening to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Have a great day. Be well, do well, and live brilliantly. I will see you next week. You have a great, great week. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations, 
and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.